Welcome to Screen Psychics, the podcast where we make predictions about upcoming films and then find out if they're right. I'm Paul, your Screen Psychic, uh, still in Sydney, and today I'm joined by fellow psychic. Simon, where are you today? Still in Melbourne. Still in Melbourne. I never leave. (laughs) And what film are we talking about today? Today, Paul, we are taking a look at the unlikely sequel to The Secret Life of Pets, Pet Cemetery. The Pet Cemetery brings things back. But they don't come back the same. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery. So it's worth saying that this was a toss up between Tim Burton's Dumbo. Mm-hmm. And Pet Cemetery, and we went with Pet Cemetery because, truth be told, I just don't think I could sit through Dumbo. Dumbo looked Dumbo poor. Oh. I, I honestly could not. If it wasn't, if we, if it wasn't for the possibility of doing it for this podcast, I don't know that I ever would have entertained the idea of seeing that film. The trailer just looked grim, bleak, and boring. Yeah, and uh, I don't think anybody actually like wants to see the film <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like we would be the only people seeing it and nobody would want to listen to us talk about it because nobody else saw it would you bring a child to watch that film like it just looks i don't like, know they, they, I, I get some kids films are dark and that opens up avenues of imagination and all this thing this just looks grim and dark anyway it's not the film we're looking yeah. at this week and that's why yeah we're talking about Pet Cemetery. Yeah, a light, fun, fluffy Stephen King adaptation, a remake or, or a reinterpretation from the book, whatever you want of to call the book. It. And yet, yeah. uh, no, so I'll back up just a bit. So I've read the book, love the book. Mm-hmm. Um, before I read the book, I watched the movie, loved the movie. We we probably even saw it together, right? Probably, yeah. Um, and we probably read the book together, page by page. <laughs> you read it out to me. Yeah, I remember. I was I was a little slower than you. I'm so sorry <laughs> for that. But um, yeah, and you know, I went back to the film a while ago. I mean, there are people who are obsessed with the film, and I've always, I, I've really? always, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, obsessed. Yeah, I would have thought cult classic if that. Like it's well, um, I mean, I I kept going back to it over the years, and and I was like, yep. Yep, that film still got it. It's still really good. Um, and then um, I think like four or five years ago, a fan-made um, making of documentary came out. Okay. And it was not a good documentary. It was a very bad documentary. And it also made me start to see, you know, just how dated the film was a bit as well. But, it, you know, it still has some really good moments. I mean, memorable moments from the original film Everybody remembers the scalpel on Mr. Munster's leg at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, everybody remembers the the sister. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> everybody remembers the sister with the back problem or whatever. We should probably say, because we're talking about the original here, but there's most likely going to be spoilers for the remake as well. Sure, so, yeah. Anyway, just to throw that in there. Yes. Continue. But- my point is, I'm a very, very big fan of of the story and and the film. Still, even though the film's a bit dated, I'm still a big. F- I mean, it's a really good film, and I thought really, it, it, oh, it, wow, I have not gone back to it. It's it's not only that; it's a really good Stephen King adaptation. I assumed it would be completely unwatchable these days. But no, you've, no, uh, no, that's this not has right. really piqued my interest yeah. to revisit. Yeah, and what's interesting to me about this remake, um, you know, for one thing. 
Not not entirely sure we need it, but obviously this is in a Stranger well, not Things. Not if the original is the best film you've ever seen. Well, you definitely is. don't need it. It is. Citizen Kane, then Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Um, this film looks a lot like that film and has a lot of the same cues and moments in it, just based on the trailer. Well, since you've seen the original 47 times, apparently, you yeah. can help me out here because I'm a little dusty. I remember all the original, like, sorry, the basic premise, um, how I thought it was just going to be a, a film. Like, I, th- I remember, I think I was the same as you. I think I probably saw the film first. And after Cujo, um, or maybe even after reading Cujo, I just assumed this was going to be the cat version and it was all about an evil cat. Yes. Um, and so it kind of blew my mind when, and I think even the poster and the, the VHS cover was the cat. So uh, eventually when it takes a twist into, again, spoilers, sort of um, demonic, demon, demonically possessed child, yes. then that, yeah, that kind of blew my little which, brain then. Which has so. always been the weird thing about this story is that it's called Pet Cemetery, but there's another cemetery <laughs> And <laughs> just, just and, and this yeah. this film and the story has very little to do with the pet cemetery at all. Do you remember that? Well, it's just a, the the one that's a little bit past the pet cemetery one. Yeah, exactly. It's it's actually <laughs> just to the left. Yeah, yeah. You know, the cemetery you should check out is the one past <laughs> the pet cemetery. But they both bring things back from the dead. This, the the pet one can only bring small things back, I guess. No, actually, I mean the the small one doesn't bring pets back from the dead. The cat comes back from the dead. Yeah, but that's because they bury him up in the, the oh, Indian in burial the, ground. Okay, this yeah. is the dustiness in my memory. There okay, you go. yeah. I thought the whole thing was an Indian ground, which, by the way, early prediction: they're going to drop it. Can't be an ancient. It yeah, cannot yeah. be an ancient Indian yeah. burial ground anymore. Yeah. For one, you know, it's not hashtag woke, and uh, and for two, King overused it. Between this and I don't think it's in the film, but it's in the book of The Shining. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. it's you know, it's become a parody. It's become a Simpsons joke. Yeah. So you know what? To- you know what I think they're going to do? They're going to sprinkle some Oriental herbs over the grave. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> now I'm I'm putting money on um, satanic thing that there was some some um, what it, sacrifice that's happened here way back when, and since then it's been a cursed ground and everyone's avoided it or whatever. It's kind of uh, yeah, a bit, a bit leaning more into the demony side of things. I think, mm. which, which is which will be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. think there'll be a problem with that. Yeah, I think one of the like the standout things about these trailers is like the thing that's different to the film, and I don't remember it being in the book either. Is the uh, the vision of these kids marching towards the, the cemetery with the masks? That's yeah. what I was going to ask you because to me that looks like it's just capitalizing on kind of between uh, the Purge series of movies and every home invasion film in the every last home fifteen invasion years. Film, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone has a creepy mask. So this just looks like they kind of ticked that trope. Um, but no, that's that's interesting to hear that that wasn't uh, in the original as far as we can remember. Yeah, it's just sort of vaguely mentioned in one of the three trailers where he said, you know, it was a tradition where they'd go there every year and they're still doing it now. So I think like when you see those kids in that mask, that's actually like present day that they're oh, doing that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'd be interesting if there's some sort of um, cult side of side of things then perhaps yeah. even because that, that you know a bunch of kids walking in unison and playing a drum and stuff it's all kind of culty creepy yeah we've lost a, like, we've lost sorry. a kid as well we've lost a kid yeah we've simplified it down to one child rather there's than two two so yeah. no the, there is two in the oh, trailer is there? 
Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So the boy doesn't do anything. He's just kind of being hugged by the mum. You never even see his face in the trailer. Well, then what we've done is we've turned the older child into the one who gets hit by the truck. Oh, you think so? You think that that'll, that'll be the twist? Well, that's that's what I'm seeing in trailer three. In trailer three, oh, I've he's, only seen trailer one. He's Shit. combing the hair of the girl, and it's got like stitches in it. Ooh, okay, that's okay. Yeah, why not? I can see that. Yeah, it's 2019. Girls can be it's woke. De- de- <laughs> demonically possessed children too, Paul. <laughs> Jesus. Jeez. Um, you know what? My interesting question for you is, Simon, is yes. um. You remember the 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 story of the sister with the the neck uh, with the spinal condition? How scary yeah, that the, was! Was the wife's sister or something? Yeah. Um, will that appear? No. Okay, because or if it does, it's present day, not flashbacks. Because in uh, I think it was trailer three, which is the final trailer they call it. There is somebody with a spinal condition crawling towards the mother. Okay. But in trailer two, God, I've done my homework on this. In trailer two- You never watched more than half a trailer. (laughs) There's a a line in there that's sort of like, and maybe if you've only watched trailer one, you don't know what this is. But in trailer two, they say, oh, but you know, it's not just your loved one who comes back. It's the cat. It's other people too. And oh. then and then like some dead person is crawling towards somebody going, The barrier's been broken. Oh geez. It's yeah. gonna okay. So I'm gonna say vortex to hell and that by bringing mm. back a dead person you've opened the door to hell. Okay, okay. Well, based on the two trailers I haven't seen, yeah. I'm gonna slightly revise mine to be those culty kids are all dead and they want more dead friends and so they're kind of encouraging kids to just be buried willy-nilly in yep. the ground to join their their little posse. Terrifying. Absolutely oh, terrifying. We've he loves he loves it like creepy little kids, right? Children of the corn. Yeah. That was him. We've still got the um we've still got the the trucks being like the scary trucks thing. Yeah, that's big in the first and only trailer that I've seen is that that they foreshadow that right from the get-go, which which I thought was kind of cool. Usually in this sort of film I'll be like, okay, that's a bit jump scary, but knowing exactly where that's going to go, I appreciated that being so front of mind in the first trailer. Yes, and I will just add uh, my own personal plug that if you're interested in seeing how scared of trucks Stephen King is, check out mine and Kevin Ma's video on Stephen King fears trucks. (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah. Also, if you're looking for a good milkshake in the Bondi area, check out Uh Terry's Milkshakes. Really tasty. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Did you like the trailer or trailers? What are you making of it? What I need to know is what trailer you saw first. It's very simple. It's just they've pull into the driver of the new house, a truck goes past, and then it's yeah. um, John Lithgow saying that is the better. famous sometimes that is better line yeah. as we cut between. Uh, we just got the drum beat in the back and the creepy kids walking towards the cemetery. And, that, that's, and a creepy shot of the cat on the highway. Yeah. Well, uh, that's really about it. Trailer three, I think, yeah, so clearly you haven't seen trailer three, and that's probably nope. the eeriest of them. It actually has this interesting... Sort of, it sounds like a female sampled voice uh, doing like this a cappella music in the background. It's really quite eerie. 
it actually starts with him brushing the hair of his dead daughter who's who's come back to life. Uh, that that wasn't too bad that one. But you know all of them um all of them don't look terrible and mm. all of them give me hope that this could be just like a good tight film so long as we don't try and go too deep into the whys and hows. No, I want the mythology. I want them to find a guy who knows a guy who knows a professor and they've got to track down the mystery of how this all came about. Yeah. And I want a pseudo-scientific explanation. A whiteboard. You want a whiteboard. To explain it to me so I understand all the rules perfectly. I want that to happen. Otherwise, I'm not going to enjoy myself. So... Um, we're doing April for the release date as well. Does that seem weird? Is that, is that an odd time for a film like this? I mean, you would have assumed you'd try and push for October. Yeah. <laughs> I see you feel strongly on this. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who, who's actually releasing it? This Paramount. Is, this is Paramount. I've got no idea so, what their slate looks like. So I reckon they're pushing this as their follow-up to Don't Say a Word. What's it called? Don't Say a Word. Quiet Place. Oh, okay. Yeah, I reckon that's so, what this is for them. They want, so another that, hit. they want another hit soon or is this dumping ground time? No, no, no. The, the, I reckon they want another hit with this. Okay. Yeah. So this isn't they didn't do the It remake. This isn't just like a company now that's just going to remake every Stephen King film ever. I don't know if they did the It remake. Do you have the mm. interwebs in front of you? Yeah. It remake. Oh, this is great audio. Made It. <laughs> Okay, well, it turns out it is a difficult thing to Google search. <laughs> All right, I got it. <laughs> Feel free to fill with some other thoughts about Stephen King in general and about uh, how this isn't a film that has a child gangbang scene. I think it's a little bit sad that the style of the font for this is the Stranger Things font. It actually looks like they typed it into that. But that's back to the original Stephen King novel. That's the problem is that like it just looks like they typed it into that Stranger Things generator. (laughs) That's how they did their titles. And I think that like, I don't know, it it just smacks of like a lack of confidence. I like it. I dig it, but I'm not as uh, averse to everything related to Stranger Things as you are. Yeah. And, you know, not every Stephen King title was chunky red red text. There was a lot. Well, I remember, like, in the Needful Things days, it was actually more of like a, you know, a fine Shiny, shiny silver. Yeah. True, true. But the era when, I think the era when we got into Stephen King, every book was just, they'd all re-released with similar covers by similar artists Mm -hmm. and uh, the chunky red. So it uh, harkens back some fond memories for me. It was done by Warner Brothers, so that was a real worthy detour. <laughs> Glad we waited. Glad-, <laughs> Glad we waited. I'll leave all of that in, by totally the way. Totally worthwhile for everyone. <laughs> Is it going to be a good film, Sam? <sighs> I mean, do we put the, you know, horror fans would get up in arms, I'm sure, but do, do you put, do you cushion it, your expectations in with good for a horror film, considering... How many are just kind of churn them out these days? You know, you get exceptions, uh, obviously, that come along and, and they're the ones that then spark the debate about what is elevated hover, horror. Um, is that even a thing? And then uh, and then you just got the ones that the Annabelle 74 and that's there is another Annabelle film coming out like in a couple of weeks, by the way. Um, and, you know, they're just churning out the same, same uh, kind of stuff. So I, I think this this is just you take this 
in with kind of uh, the the general field of horror films, right? Like it doesn't look like it's going to punch through to be anything surprising, especially although on although one of the taglines is something like, "Even if you know the story, you're going to be shocked by this film." That did you just make that up? No, no, no. Like I think that might actually be second trailer. It was like really? a big thing. Even if you know the story, this film will shock you. Okay, cool. Well, I, I actually love it if it did. I love it if it um, if it detoured in in ways that kind of made total sense to the story. And and let's be honest, I think St- Stephen King's probably he's got some input in here. I don't think he he wrote it, but I think he is actually. I'm going to say he doesn't somehow. I reckon he doesn't. I reckon no? he doesn't. And I reckon that this was a really. I reckon this started off as a really dedicated remake, like right down to the writing of Pet Cemetery on that sign. It looks exactly like the writing that was on the book. You know, the mm-hmm. book's always been associated with that childlike writing of Pet Cemetery. But I reckon somebody's come in to the scripting stage and said, it's not good enough that this guy's dead daughter is trying to kill him now. I want like 20 people trying to kill him. And I reckon yeah, they've okay. wor- I reckon they've worked in this storyline of other zombies are now chasing him because he's opened the door to hell. And I feel like that's going to be the downfall of the film. And that that then starts to smell like someone's just smushing a spec script in with yes. a known property. Yeah. Which yeah. probably never works. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think the director or the writer, one of the two. There's two directors and they are unclickable, rudely unclickable on Wikipedia, so I don't know anything about them. Yes. Somebody had something to do with Buffy back in the late 90s. So there's there's like a hell mouth connection there, I'm sure. Cool. Crossover. Everyone's doing it. Shared cinematic universe. (laughs) Buffy comes in right at the end, sets up her in the next film. I feel like the elements that have always worked in this story are going to work again. And I Mm -hmm. reckon it's going to be in the last 40 minutes that this film falls apart. Well, sounds like if if they are detouring, you know, it's all going to hinge on that, right? Like, because if you if you are sticking to the tried and true, yeah. Um, for me, you know, I haven't seen the original in so long that I'm kind of excited to to revisit it in a, a new way, even to yeah. see the same same. You know, like the whole the, the universal themes about you know grief, um, and just through a firstly through a child's perspective with a pet, and then through the parents, um, with sort of that sort of twist. You know, it's it's some pretty universal stuff that's, yeah, I think it's definitely open for a revisit, but, yeah, it all hinges on that final third. And I, I'm open for it. I, as I said before, if, if it takes me in an, in a direction that I don't see coming but then actually feels like, you know what, that, that would have, that makes sense and, um, you know, maybe that, that could have been the end all along, who knows, then, then I'm on board. But if it is just going to um, feel like a producer's note of like, Take that times it by ten. Yeah, <laughs> add add more blood, add more this. Uh, then it's gonna wear out its welcome, I think, before the end. So, what do you give it after all of that preamble about good for a horror film? And if it's this, what do you give it? Uh, well, only based on the first trailer, which which I quite enjoyed. Um, yeah, I'm going to come out maybe with a three out of five, which might hmm. seem crazy high for me based on very limited. Uh, knowledge of what's happening here, but but yeah, no, I'm very much looking forward to it. I really want it to be a three out of five, and I saw elements in the trailer that suggested a three out of five, maybe in a three and a half even, but I do think that the second half of this film is going to just 
just be a mess, just fall mm. apart. So I reckon two and a half out of five. Okay. But that, I mean, two and a half out of five isn't, isn't terrible, dare I say. It's like, not terrible. That's, that's not still terrible. a decent time. And, and decent you know, time I'm, I'm on board with the casting of John Lithgow. I think he's a good choice. Um, yep. Jason Clark, you're a massive Clarky fan. Australian guy from the yep. film about killing Osama bin Laden. Love his work. Yep. He's been in a bunch lately, though. Sure. He was in that other film. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Terminator. He was John Connor. He was the Terminator. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we uh, bury our expectations? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> and see if they come back to haunt us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's yeah, do that. Okay, that's a good idea. No, that's a good idea. Okay, we are back. We have watched Pet Cemetery. I don't want now, do you do you remember the end credit song from the previous film? From from the OG film, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it's the Ramones Pet Cemetery. Yes, right. So it's yeah. the Ramones Pet Cemetery, and this one is uh, obviously uh, a new version of that. Yes, also by the Ramones. Uh, yeah, but it's not the Ramones doing it. This is somebody it's else not? doing it. No, no. Um, it's weird to be in a cinema in 2019 and hear a film with end credits song that mentions the name of the film. Yes, and plot points. And, and plot points. Not not wanting to live their life again, just like the characters in the film were exactly. forced to do. Yeah. It is weird. You're kind of expecting Will Smith to be rapping about it instead. <laughs> During the breakdown part in the yeah. middle? Or the kid from The Visit. Um, so we've just rushed all the way to the end. Yes. So but- thank you for listening to <laughs> Screen Psychics. <laughs> um, Paul, where can they find out more about us? Uh, at the start of the film. <laughs> okay. How did you find the start of the film? Well, firstly. Yes. Is this going to be something about old ladies in a cinema or something? Oh, Paul, Paul, Paul. There were no old ladies in this cinema. Mm. In fact, there was no one at oh. all. The uh, the it's mirage happened. in the distance. It's happened. It wow, happened. I kept waiting. I kept waiting for someone to walk in. But I've got to 30 minutes. I think even recorded on this podcast, I've got to like 30, 40 minutes in and yeah. had this ruined for me before. But this this was perfect. Um, it was in a cinema that they'd done up, so the seats were all basically gold-classy, reclinery, yeah. plush leather seats, but still decent-sized theatre. Um, but it was the really weird time, and I don't know about sessions there or even New York, but, like, it's really hard to find um, something around the 6 p.m. mark here because they huh. always – they're like a four – yeah. 3, 4 p.m. or then it jumps to like 7 p.m. to 8 yeah. p.m. Um, but no, this was like 5.45 and hmm. that's the crazy time that, um, yeah, I- I'm still not convinced it was meant to be screening because when I got there, the girl couldn't find it on the computer so she sold me a ticket to the 9.30 session huh. which confused the guy punching my ticket <laughs> at the gate who directed me into a cinema that was advertising Hellboy. <laughs> so <laughs> Just play it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I think I almost anyway. think <laughs> they're like, look, no one turned up. We can see how far he gets into Hellboy before he complains <laughs> or just play the film. Well, yeah, it was interesting actually because – um, there were only two sessions a day uh, by the time I saw this. 
And I went to the 4 p.m. I think on a Saturday and it was pretty well filled. Like there was hmm. quite a, it seemed like they took all the people from your cinema and put them in my cinema. <laughs> Maybe, although it's a bit of a journey between the two. <laughs> yeah, it was for four o'clock on a Saturday and I think it was a sunny Saturday too. It was huh. pretty well, it was quite a sunny Saturday. So it was quite well filled for that. Yeah, that is peculiar. Yeah, hmm. I just haven't been to a cinema with more than like 10 people in it in forever. Yeah. But I guess I'm not going to Bondi Junction. I find that if a film gets average and I'm the only one in the cinema, and I have, I reckon I've probably had probably about four or five times in my life where I've been in a cinema by myself. If mm-hmm. the film isn't quite up to snuff, I find it difficult to pay attention. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that because this having this opportunity was the first time I've just about ever taken notes on my phone. Right. Um, or started to. And then I realized that that was distracting me too much so and also uh spoiler alert for my review i didn't really have many notes to take so um yeah no i stopped that pretty soon and just tried to focus on the film you were a bit vague on the og film did you feel like it brought back memories of that at all big time um and not to this film's advantage oh oh so you were thinking favorably of the og not even favorably i don't even think it was just, I wish I'd had the greater disconnect of completely forgetting the OG mm. and then being able to appreciate this as like a, something anew yeah. instead of having deja vu constantly of things just before they were about to occur on screen, mm. <laughs> which is kind of how it went. Either from the book or from the OG film, yeah. I just was like, oh, that's right. And then this, oh, that's, yep, this yeah. is coming. And that just distracted me way too much. And then, yeah, that's some of my baggage there. Um, but it's also to me like some of the preamble for, for this episode, you know, I was kind of hoping, uh, that the end went a bit, um, interesting and divergent, uh, to, to warrant this film's existence. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll find out if we got there or not. Okay. I feel I've tipped my hand, but, but let's keep going. Yeah. So, so where to begin with this? I mean, it begins, it begins with the thing that we kind of enjoyed about the trailer, which was the point of difference, which was the creepy kids in the mask. Right. Um, as in, yeah, okay, we get one shot of them driving and, uh, God, this film moves at a really clipping pace to begin with. Yes. They, they move in, they find the cemetery, pet cemetery, they see the creepy kids, um, and then we're, we're on, we're on from there. But, but just to pause on the creepy kids for a moment. Yes. Like that is just some classic horror tapping into recent trope trailer bait right there because we never see them again. We do see one mask again, but we never see those kids again. Yeah, it's it's and also the editing of them in the trailer was better than like the the ambience sure. they created in the trailer was so much better than the ambience in the film itself, which yep. which just seemed weird. Um <laughs> it didn't make sense and nobody mentioned it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think because that kind of drumbeat gave a bit of a haunting backbone yeah. to the trailer, whereas when they cut, like, if you cut away from the main character's faces and you watch the actual kids, their drumming was all over the place. So right. they actually had to play the actual drumming rhythm, which wasn't at all creepy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's also, okay, I guess it signifies the place they live is a bit weird because kids do this sort of stuff. Mm. And apparently it's tradition that's happened for hundreds of years. So that line but was in the movie? That, that it's tradition? Yeah. 
Yeah, they looked through a book at some stage and there's books marked like 1886 or right. whatever. And then, oh, yes. Yeah, and there's yeah, kids right. doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, whatever. It's it made for a good trailer chart. I can totally see why they crammed it in. Yeah. I just thought something that evocative you would definitely return to uh, with more than a passing nod. But mm. no, no. Yeah. What did you think of the casting early on? I didn't mind it. Jason Clark's, um, you know, got that every man kind of thing going on. Mm. Um, Lith- Lithgow, I thought, was a good pick early on for yeah. for old mate McGee. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and the girl was good enough. I kept, um, I was like, what does she look like? She looks like a young, I don't know, like a young sissy Spacek or something. But, oh, yes. But now, I, the, yeah. the, the, girl, the girl that is in... Um, the OG film. I could be wrong about this, but I think the girl that's in the OG film is actually from. Oh, I could be wrong, but I think it's the girl from that show we loved as kids. Um, Alex Mack, The Secret World of Alex no, Mack. No, close. It's about the uh, kid. Uh, now, now you see it. No, is it? It's not. Now you see it. Is it <laughs> the Australian kids TV yeah, no, no, game no, show? No, no, no. It's like it's like. Uh, oh fuck! We're gonna have to cut this out. It's like a Canadian <laughs> show uh, of these do, kids do, 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 do. who read write, all about it. Read all do, about do, it. That's do, the do. one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, it was edutainment. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was better than edutainment, Paul. It was kind of creepy, but I feel it as was though super creepy. I think that the young girl in in the OG was in that. Huh, I did not realize. Well, I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe. Well, at least we got to reminisce about read all about it for a second. For a second. At, in the end of the day, that's really what this podcast has been all about. Yes. So we liked the casting. Yeah, decent enough. Good. Um, yeah, but the clipping pace is just. I just felt it was weird, and again. I, I kept having the premonitions just before they were happening, but it was just like, holy shit, this just feels like they're tickboxing the setup to this stuff. Mm. It's, you know, and then we're jumping straight into, hey, I'm a doctor on my first day in the business and I see a dead guy and he just starts telling me some creepy things from beyond the grave right away. Although, funnily enough, the first film is a little like that as well. In, fact, in how fast it gets there? Kind of. In the first one, there's actually almost like a crash cut to his first day on the job and the like basically it's a crash cut to that to that kid getting hit by the car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So wait, wait, not his kid, the kid. The the, the kid. The kid, the, the, the yeah. kid who keeps coming back and bugging. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. His guide, his spirit guide. Yes. Uh the so this was my first indication that I'm like, oh, I don't know what the budget of this film is. And I am i can't, you know, who has a good read in this? Because who the fuck knows how Hollywood spends all this money, you know? But I'm like, this does not look amazing. The makeup on the dead guy, mm. um, it's, it's that sort of makeup where he's meant to be missing half his face. Yeah. But the side of his face that's meant to be missing is twice the size of the <laughs> other side. It is a little bit, um, a little bit TV circa late 90s makeup. It's not just the makeup, Paul. This whole movie looked TV to me. Right, right. I don't know about what you thought, but if we could jump here for one second to the actual cemetery, yeah. the spooky one past the, the – like what was happening there? That was for something that yeah, literally de- is in the title. Like a, definitely felt like a lot, right? Like a studio it, lot? Oh, yeah. 
it, it's like a mix of like someone hitting some sort of um, smoky CG button mixed yeah. with a TV studio backlot that some yeah. idiots bought way too much dry ice along to. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I do remember feeling that actually. Like, you know, some of those scenes in the actual Pet Cemetery. Um, didn't feel too bad in terms yeah, of outdoors, agreed. but then we got to the to the pet cemetery set. Yeah, um, I was waiting for a vampire from Buffy to jump out yeah. and start attacking them. Yeah, it felt very artificial. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And for something that's the center, literally the center of your movie, yeah, like put a little more design thought into it. I thought I just mm. yeah. At that point, I'm like, oh okay, this is not really trying. Um, to be much more than 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 sort of what it says on the the stamp. I I did kind of feel as though they were trying to be like a little bit true to the to the source material. You the know, book the, more than the original film. Do you not, mean not so much? But well, actually, I do kind of mean that. I mean that the 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 book very much was about like dealing with grief and yes, people's thoughts about the afterlife. And early on, they have a conversation with the parents and the kid where they're trying to talk to the kid about sure. heaven and stuff, which, you know, is a little on the nose. But I, yes, it I, is. I, I sort of thought to myself, okay, at well. At least they're trying. At least they're trying to sort of grapple yeah. with these themes in something yeah, that yeah. could be and just. That you, yes, you can excuse that because the awkwardness that's in the scene is also the awkwardness that the parents are actually, you know, feeling. and Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. But where I feel as though they smashed it on the head and, and sort of broke the film from that point on is she said, uh, actually, I think he said, look, I know you've had problems oh, with your sister who this. had spinal meningitis. <laughs> and we just suddenly launch into, like, in the, in the OG film, this was yep. like an hour into the film. Yes. And they do it in, like, 20 minutes in. My, my notes here, this is where I was still writing on my phone, and it says... The sister flashback, WTF, which Black Rear's kid stands for what the fuck. Oh, God. And now it says, it's not about my sister. It's about the cat. Okay, it is about my sister. He's <laughs> yeah. finally the full story of how I killed her in a dumb waiter. <laughs> 20 minutes in, or at least it felt like 20 minutes in. And it's yeah, like, it you, you're trying to give me the core of this character this early? And are you telling me that he has never heard this story and she just blurts this out <laughs> yeah, in this right. moment like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 almost felt like um, that almost felt like a. It wasn't in that location in the script, and in the edit, somebody said, "Oh, we need to bring this uh, Zelda stuff early." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know why the wife's so troubled. Yeah, we need so to explain it. So we need to it. set that. Yeah. So this is one of my leads into one of my questions for you um, from the OG one. How much twisted sister stuff is? In the original, as in, like, how much does it bleed out from her memories into the current day? Um, just a Blum little house? bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, it's just sort of a sprinkling. Okay. Yeah. I actually, I actually didn't mind some of that stuff. Um, in this, yeah, I didn't neither mind did it. I. I actually felt as though um, in the OG, the wife who was played by that woman from Star Trek. Um, do 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 Star. 
Um, I felt as though her character became a little underdeveloped. And here, the fact that the, that the wife character had her own horror scenes, I thought was good. It's just that they like just completely spoiled it at the start by having a conversation about exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone who's held this secret for 30 years just yeah. blurted <laughs> straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. That, that's interesting to know. Like I... At first, I rolled my eyes and be like, oh, okay, here we go. They kind of have to tap into the haunted house mm. thing um, without remembering how much it was in the original. But also, yeah, if you're not doing that, I guess you're missing a trick, aren't you? You kind of have to have this bleeding through. And I could be wrong, and this does tap into one of your premonitions about predictions about the kind of um, hellmouthy side of things. But maybe in the book there was, but knowing Stephen King, more about you know, this thing isn't just that the cemetery, this kind of, this creepiness kind of bleeds through over mm. this region. Well, speaking speaking of the book, the Zelda element that was not in the book, that was in that was only in this film, was this story of the dumbwaiter. Uh, okay, yeah, because she just died, right? In normally, yeah, like of, I, I think of it was natural causes via spinal meningitis. Yeah, but it was like the sister was left home to look after her. And was scared Didn't, of her yeah, and she yeah. sort of died while she was there. So it was the guilt of that and actually wanting her but to die. But not as horrifically violent yes. as we see in this movie. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. What did mm. you, you feel about that change then? Um, I know a lot of people didn't like it and mm. sort of um, in terms of practicality, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I thought some of the horror scenes later on with the mirror were actually kind of cool. Ah, wait. The yeah. Oh, I got you. So not yeah. the original flashback, but when it was integrated into when she was looking in the bathroom mirror, and that became the dumbwaiter. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah, actually, that, that's what I was saying. How yeah. I liked some of it later. Yeah, but yeah, I will say sure. this: the way they did it in the OG, the sort of more subtle way that they did it, was so much better and so much creepier. And I remember it really haunted me. Mm. And it's actually where the Simpsons get the classic line where Marge. Uh, I think Homer tells a story to Marge and Marge says, kids can be so cruel. And Bart <laughs> says, they can, great. <laughs> I think going from the way she blurts it out to it becoming a very modern horror trope, haunted house, stuff just appearing in the corners of the room, then disappearing, I think for me definitely took out any sort of um, deeper thematic yeah. resonance to yeah. this stuff. It bleached it of any of that grief stuff, and I think that was true of the whole movie. Yeah, I think it, and I think this is could just be me being silly for even trying to suppose this on the film. Mm. But I, like, it just, as I said, it moves at a cracking pace. It doesn't even dwell enough for you to feel anyone's grief. People yeah. just act because that's what the next scene demands them to do. Yeah, um, and at no stage does it just like let pause and let you wallow in kind of. The quote, re, you know, hash, reality of things before yeah. it before it gets bonkers and make you think like put yourself in their shoes to be like, fuck. Well, you know what? If if that option was open to me, who's to say I wouldn't do the same thing? When you've got um, a, a film about characters making nothing but bad choices, that's right. Yeah. Like t take have those beats, take the down the downtime to kind of do that. But yeah, but it never kind of breathes for that stuff. It just is like, what's the next scene? He is now. Poisoning John Lithgow for no reason. Um, 
uh, other than a bit of exposition that comes out from that scene? Um, I, uh, I, we were wrong about one thing, uh, and that was that we thought they were going to run <laughs> a million miles away from, from any Indian burial yeah. ground reference. They, they, they go a half mile around the corner. Yeah. They, yeah. The first time they didn't mention it, they just said, oh, it's a magical place. And yeah. I thought, well, there it is. They're avoiding it. But later yeah. on, they do start talking about it. And I thought, oh, well, it's, right. they, Yeah. It was kind of cake and eat it too because they, without getting political or anything like that, they were kind of like um, – yeah, it was known to the Native Americans way back when, <laughs> but it wasn't a secret. But it wasn't their where fault. They, where they built, yeah, you know, sorry, yeah, that they built or they buried their loved ones. Yeah, but they just they they knew it was a bit off, and they yeah. kind of tried to avoid it from an early stage. And uh, yeah, it, it felt weird to even even mention that, considering they kind of didn't commit one way or the other. Mm. So I don't know if any of the rest of this film is sort of uh, sticking out for you, but I feel as like as though the next big point of contention is the car accident or the truck accident. Yes. So, so- and, and, the, and the filmmakers even seem to think that they're pulling one over the audience for a moment, right? Because they even set it up as though the little boy is going to get hit, but as we all know in the trailers. I hadn't seen that second trailer or you hadn't told me about it. Sorry. Then then I would have definitely given them a brownie point for this because, and you know, assuming they don't have, because normally directors don't have full cut like rights over the trailers, that's the marketing dudes. That I'm assuming they wanted that to, this to be a pull the rug out moment. Yeah. Um. So I'm still going to grant them a brownie point for for trying that because I think you know we'll say you've got to walk the line between you know honoring the original but serving up something new to warrant your existence. And I think this was one moment that they they tried to do it and not just having her <coughs> be the clear victim but setting him up as that fake out. I was like, okay, at least they tried. Yeah. <laughs> at least they tried with it, you know. <coughs> It's interesting because I was listening to um, John Cribbs, who has been a guest on this podcast before, Mm -hmm. on his own Pink Smoke uh, podcast talking about this. And he said in the Stephen King book, uh, you really feel as though King is trying to fake out the audience on this very topic where – the young girl is talking about death and, you know, talking about and finding it difficult to deal with her cat. And you mm-hmm. think as though it's fairly obvious that the daughter is the one who's going to get killed and that the fact that the son, Gage, gets killed was King doing his own fake out. And here they've just basically reversed it back to the the obvious choice. Yeah, well, Gage is barely in it like, yeah. before that moment. So, yeah, of course it's going to be her Um even if you haven't seen any of the posters or marketing material. Yeah. Um, I, I get, in a way, why they did that, especially because the last, again, not to put everything at the feet, good or bad, at, at Jason Blum, but, you know, the creepy kid genre has grown in leaps and bounds in the last mm. 10, 15 years. And that kid is always, you know, just on the precipice of kind of, becoming a teenager kind of age where they can get in more places and do more killy kill and stabby stab. And um, I, I a lot, actually, a lot more I actually realistically. Think, I actually think that was the like serious downfall of this film is <clears throat> the last like 15, 20 minutes of the OG pet cemetery is so terrifying 
because it is just a three-year-old kid who is not acting. And there's like yes. a there's a like a really creepy scene where the kid just suddenly shows up at um Judd's place wearing a suit for some reason <laughs> and a top hat. And he has a scalpel and he's just sort of walking towards Judd and, and laughing and stuff. And it's terrifying. And I feel like here what we've got <clears throat> by having somebody who, you know, by by child working regulations could stay on the set longer <laughs> and could probably also be a bit precocious and take direction meant yes. that we could just have another sort of slasher film trope. Yeah. You know, just she just became Michael Myers basically. Yes. And also that in doing that, you miss the opportunity again not to try to make this anything more highfalutin than it is, but you've got a kid who in this version, um, you know, has more uh, has a better thought process can kind of has been learning grief as we've seen through the film mm. and so has she has one moment when she's in bed and she's kind of like am i dead you know where am i what's happening um but she goes from that to michael myers very quickly yes um, without like the the true horror in that moment would be realizing what she is or what she isn't rather yeah and having to deal with that as well. And again, take take a moment. Just like imagine seeing them actually try <clears throat> to navigate returning to a regular life mm. <laughs> with this horrible <laughs> decaying secret in their house rather than her going straight to serial killer mode. And what, what did you think of the scene where he sort of wakes up and she's put on the perfect creepy classical track and she's dancing yeah. around uh, downstairs? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they'd set it up. Of course, they're going to go there. You know, again, she just started breaking shit for no reason straight away. And you're like, okay, so. She's crazy. Yeah, yeah clearly this is going to, yeah, escalate quickly. Because, again, there's no breathing room in this movie. Yeah. And then, you know, basically uh, it's just sort of kill, kill, kill until the end of the film. So I assume with Judd. Yep. There is the Achilles heel fake out under the bed. So, is that how it happens in the first film? So in the first film, it's actually a really- it's, it's a like really close mem- up on his Achilles heel when he's around yeah. that, that bed. And I'm like, oh, that looks like a good Achilles heel to slash. <laughs> I want to slash that myself. It is a really memorable moment in the original film. It's 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 almost a bit like uh, a bit like the nose cutting in Chinatown in that like you see that scalpel go through the Achilles heel and it just looks so bad. Mm. Um so it's so it's a pretty memorable greatest hit to revisit, and obviously sure. showing a vulnerable Achilles heel was was. But when tantalizing, yeah. But when that scalpel went in in this one and actually yeah. like detached the foot, I, I thought they, I I thought they did well with that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like but, to but- see it actually break away from the foot, I was like, oh yeah, okay, you did well. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. It looked a lot better than the car accident dude's face in the first five minutes of the film, for sure. Right. Um, but was was the original cut in the original from under the bed? Because I felt like that was such setting that moment up to be like, guys, yeah. you think this is coming now? It's not. Ah, it's still coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was done under the bed. Yeah, that, I mean that was cool. I appreciate that little nod. Yeah. Then. But yeah, I just I really did miss just having this three year old that. Um, that just didn't seem to have such a um, such an agenda, <laughs> you know. He yeah. really, he really just seemed to be like 
this little kid just just seemed to be evil, whereas yeah. she seemed to she seemed to be killing Judd to keep him quiet or something like that. Like she had thought kind processes, of, but but it was like kind of there, but it kind of wasn't. It's the same then when the mum returns home, yeah, and the mum's like, I don't know about hugging my kind of dead kid that's come back from the grave. This is a bit weird for me. I'm gonna need a moment. Yeah, and that, that uh, was and, a weird and the daughter's just too. like, I don't want her here. Yeah, and you're like, ah. Oh. What? Why? Like, you've never had a problem with her before. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird reversal. It was in, in the OG from memory, like, the mother embraces her and that's that's her demise. Um, and here it was just weird that we, you know, we've got to suddenly do this thing where a mother can detect that her, you know, there's no soul in her daughter or something like it. Just seemed I mean, it's to- not. It's not that hard to detect it with this particular child in that true, moment. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she has the droopy eye. She has the staples in the back of her head. Yeah. She's speaking monotone and she looks like she wants to murder everyone with a knife. So, so question question for you. Yes. Considering the novel is there and the original screenplay, this before we get to the ending, which does actually make an attempt to twist things around. Correct. Um, so up to that point, though, you've you've gender slash child swapped. No big deal. She has more lines of dialogue when she's a zombie kid than than uh, little boy Gage did in the original. I'm assuming. How many days did the screenwriters have to work to adapt the original screenplay to this version? Like two days. <laughs> what <laughs> makes you say? What makes you say that? It just feels like there isn't enough. There isn't enough happening here, changing this and updating this. Um, like this, even even the dialogue, it's just like it, 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 this could with maybe, I don't even know if I see a phone, to be honest, but this could take place in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it definitely doesn't. Like, I, I do feel as though the original did, did a better job and this almost feels as though it's a product of um what was the shit star wars film i mean you're asking the wrong person maybe which, let's ask the which, guy who's walked out of every one of them in the which, last 10 years which was the last one i walked out of wait that solo. was han solo what was the one before that but we can't mention that because ron howard's mate that's true yeah, they that's start true. attacking us on sick Twitter. on us um was and it he's the, a nice guy ron howard was it the last jedi or return no what Yeah, Last Jedi. Last Jedi. I feel as though this is the Last Jedi of Pet Cemetery, which is let's just keep (laughs) subverting expectation because that's good storytelling. A bit. I mean, okay, so this hit a point where I'm like, I'm bored. I'm so bored by this. There's visually I'm finding this film completely uninteresting. This Mm. is, and again on me, but I'm remembering things just before they're happening, which is making the un- reveling in this film completely mundane um to me personally and i'm i know we kind of set a warning in the first part being like if they detour too much it's going to be nuts but i was kind of hoping fucking go for it man i really hope this final third goes absolutely batshit coco bananas crazy mm. um just to make this this is interesting, visually interesting to justify its existence. But um, I mean, they made a couple of changes. But this subversion that you're talking about, this is you know, this is uh, it's changing an A to a B. It's yes. not creating a new alphabet. Playing with the edges. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very much so. And um, 
I I was I was actually way off in my prediction that I thought that by uh, getting his daughter back from the dead, it was going to open up the gate to hell and zombies would come out and try and stop him at the same time. Way off there. You were, cl- you were closer than I was. Right. <laughs> I thought right. that the kids with the masks <laughs> were going to like try to get him in some sort of um, evil satanic cult. So, yeah. you know, <sighs> smarter than so me, Paul. Good. Whatever that counts for. <sighs> no, but- your, your version I would have much preferred than, than the end. Not that I hated how this film ended. Yeah, so, I have to, so which sounds like this is I'm in a weird place mixed between, but but yeah, yeah, it it feels as though the ending was like the day that they high fived each other, <laughs> the the writers that is because you know I think from memory the book ends the same way that the reanimator ends where you know his wife has died and he has to make the choice between do I resurrect her or not. Yes. Um, and in this- they, he does. Well, in this, uh, she, the little girl, resurrects the mother. Um, Which, again, makes no sense because she's just been like, I hate this bitch. Um, yeah. So, and, and what's, what's going what's gonna to spring forth is an army of, um, of zombies created through this thing. Mm. Where do they stop? Is, do they just want the zombie family and then they're, they're cool? Can't um, wait for the sequel. Can't was- wait for the sequel. <laughs> There were two times in this movie I was waiting for a reanimated John Lithgow. Oh, yes. The, the first was when Jason Clark's dad, for no reason, poisoned him. <laughs> um, no reason. Do you, can you offer any explanation as to why he did that? Yeah, I, I must admit, I thought that was a little bit obvious. <laughs> I, I don't know if it happens in the OG or I feel as though it happened in the book as well. But the idea is that Jason Clark knows that Judd is going to try and stop him. From Why going- would he think that? Because John Lithgow, who has only been absolutely rigid <laughs> talking about this cemetery or film, being like, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get back there. Hey, 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 you could have fly later. Let's fucking take you to the cemetery, man. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Let's go again. I mean, I know I shouldn't, but you know, let's just go and see what happens. But he had had the conversation by that stage about how he thought – that his own, is his own dog had come back bad and he thought that the cat might because his dog had always had a bad streak but obviously not, like twice yeah. in a row is, is a pattern. So Maybe, I th- but I th- we also don't, we the audience at this point don't know that he had done the same thing to his wife. So this dickhead had already known that this turns bad. So is that is that in the film though? Do they actually? Yes, when they, little girl is stabby stabbing him, she yeah. t- physically turns into his wife and says, "You did this to me, and now I'm I'm condemned to eternal hell because of what you did." Yeah, is 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 she actually implying that he buried him, buried her there, or hundred percent? Oh, okay. So he knows this is what happens. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like that, him knowing isn't enough for him not to be like, fuck it, let's do it again. I, fuck <laughs> it. I, I love this shit, to be honest. Like I bury everything there. Well, that, My it, watch broke the other day. I buried it to see if that would start working again. It didn't, never came back, but that, fuck, that, I had a good time. That's how I read it in the moment That was that he was trying to knock him out so that he wouldn't stop him. Yeah, okay. I, 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 in that moment, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. Because Jason Clark doesn't know that John Lithgow knows that humans come back bad as well. So is he using the closest person he has 
proximity-wise as a guinea pig test before testing with his daughter. Mm. In the book, Judd's wife- Because that would have been more interesting. In the book, Judd's wife is alive and uh, Jason, what's his name, actually helps her. Oh. Yeah. Alive alive? Alive alive, not dead alive. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Mm. So I thought that's when he was dead, take one. And uh, sorry, and when he was going to come back, take one. And then I thought that she was the the evil, um, evil Chucky girl was going to bury him after killing him as mm. well. Because when she does transform into his wife, it's kind of like, you'll float too. Um, and I figured, oh, okay, she's going to take him on behalf of the wife that she's conjuring and. Strap him in, but no, he's just left to rot. Which I guess if there's a sequel, Jason Clark probably out of neighborly pleasantness went and buried him in in the cemetery. Sure. So <laughs> how does this film end? But let's just let's just get to it. The the moment, the actual twist. Yeah, you could feel it in the you could feel it in the room that like he was about to finally stop his daughter from wreaking havoc when the uh, reincarnated mother. Uh, st- stabs him. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then they bury him. They come back, and this shit is happening fast as well. This is all in one night. Yeah, um, well, I don't even know how long it takes to walk there to bury someone. And and for whatever reason, you can't wait around and watch them reanimate. You have to go back home. <laughs> and then it seems like they come to their car to get the to get Gage. Um, and they're being led by the evil cat. Uh, okay, I like this shot. <laughs> I like this shot. It's a good shot. It's a good shot. It's, it's a really good shot. And the fact that the cat comes back, this is one of my questions for you, is like as a cat guy, how did you feel about this cat versus the OG cat? Yeah. You've got nothing. I've got nothing. Okay. It's a cat, right? Cat's it, a cat. Cat's a cat. This okay. is a very adorable cat. Yeah. Um. No, I, I appreciated the moment where the cat jumped up on the bonnet as well. I was like, okay, fair fair play. You've you've earned this moment. Yeah, because um, the other thing is is that in the book and the OG, the cat is gone. At that point? Yeah, he's killed the cat before the truck mm. even happens. Oh, so what entices the little girl to be hit by the truck or the boy, Gage? Does he just run out? Fun. For fun chasing a ball? Just fun. Kids like fun is what I'm told. Playing on highways. I I think in the OG he is chasing a balloon or a ball or something. Yeah, well, it's near Derry, as we know from the sign of this film. So whose balloon is he chasing? It's Pennywise's balloon. So, like, it is, like, it's, 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 there's, there's a cleverness to the ending, right? But it is just a little bit, um, apes are dressed as police (laughs) And they're running their own country now, right? Like it's, I saw, it's, I saw it more as. Have you seen the Mist? Also based on. I haven't got to the King? end of the Mist. Okay, well, I yeah, okay. I've read I'm the not, book of the Mist. I think it could be different. Okay, it's the darkest end to just about any film you've yeah. ever seen. Um, and and a Starabont like, too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I felt like this was. Kind of like not, it's not as good as that ending, but it's kind of tapping into the nihilism a little bit of like, mm. okay, like you're about to watch, are they going to show a young boy dying or do we, do we cut it? Like what's, what's happening here? Um, yeah. and I like that kind of cat and mousing with the audience there. Uh, just for that, that one second that you're not 100% sure where it's going to cut off. I'm like, cool. 
cool. Final, final shot. Fine. Yeah. Um, but it it's is just a it pity is that- frivolous compared to the grander themes of the actual story. For sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, How do you deal with death? What happens to us when our, when we die? And are dead people going to try and kill us in a car led by a cat? Yeah. And like when you die, would you? Uh, it's boring, man. Would you just choose to have everyone you love dead with you? Wouldn't <laughs> and you? if you could kill them and get them there, w- would you do it? That's a big <laughs> question, Paul. And people stay up at night asking themselves these sorts of questions. So what did you rate this film? Predictively, I rated this a three out of five. Boring. And that's boring? This this, this film was boring. <laughs> I, I, look, I dug the trailer and I said it was simple. I lauded this for all the things that I ended up hating for. Yeah. Hating's too strong. Um, I think I even said, like, if I just want a new direction that isn't just turning it up to 11 for fuck's sake mm. and I'm on board. And I didn't really get that until that one final shot, which does not save a movie. Um yeah, the not enough change for me. I, I I do issue a caveat that if you don't know the original film or book and then you haven't listened to this podcast where we've ruined both of those, yeah. then you, you might have a simple fun horror time. Because this is it true. is such this is a straightforward throwbacky kind of a, a horror film. Um but to me, sitting in that cinema, this just amounted to a whole lot of why is this even a thing? Um, and that's coming from me who I don't even have that fonder recall or really much recall of the original film. I think that's so, the most shocking thing to come out of this podcast. Surely we watched that together because it was part of our Stephen King phase, right? Yeah, but it's also, you know, my brain's pretty malleable at that point. I, I'm mixing up films and books quite yeah. easily. Well, well, that film really left uh, an imprint on me at that age. Like it was almost, it was almost my sort of taxi driver for a while. See, this is the weird thing to me is I had no idea that you held this in such high regard until yeah. we did this episode. Yeah. Yeah, no idea. Some... You've literally never mentioned this film since yeah. we watched Remember it when since I we invited you nine. to my pet cemetery party? Oh, okay. Well, I remember that. Yes, and we all had to wear masks, and you were being right. a drum. It was, it was a really good time. <laughs> I to, created to my fit. own pet cemetery in the backyard. <laughs> Your mum made great fairy bread. That's it right. Was, we killed yeah. our cat just for the occasion. <laughs> of course, I remember that. Yeah, it was no, a great time. We we watched a lot of um, King films over like a two year span, I reckon, and I remember that. It, the TV series, started off strong but sort of wasn't as good in the second episode. Watch yeah. a lot of average ones as well. But I mean, and then we got to the Langoliers, which is Langoliers, just which, next level which, amazing. Which you just half watch. But this this really, I think I, I couldn't verbalize it very well at the time. And also, uh, what's it called? Uh, Lawnmower Man came out around that time as well. Whoa, but whoa, whoa. That's, that's a whole sidebar conversation. That is, yeah, it's true. But I always felt as though this was like a really good film. Huh. Okay. Mm. And well, it was it was also one of those things of where us I doing this podcast. It was one of those films that I watched and then read the book, which I wasn't doing with a lot of King stuff at the time. I'd usually and, uh, read the book and then watch the movie. And not to be pompous, I read it first, oh. guy. But I think maybe that's where my detachment comes in as well, because I'm like, yeah, I remember all this stuff vaguely from the book, but the film isn't as vivid for me. Um, yeah, and whereas maybe with it, it was it. No. I can't remember with it, but it it has its own problems to do with the original series. Yeah, look, I just it's so weird. I've got so little. Uh, 
Weirdly enough, I remember the Edward Furlong sequel more than I remember the original wow. version of this. But that's also because Terminator 2 was rad to the max and yes. Edward Furlong was hot property. I I remember us being excited about that coming out, but I don't think I've ever seen that. No, you definitely. See, now this is my turn to, <gasps> to do a twist because I reckon we watched that together. Because really? how else have I seen that movie multiple times? I remember seeing the poster for it at Northland. Who else would I have watched that film with? Fuck! Could it be possible that I've seen Pet Cemetery two and I don't remember? Start it. Get it. Get it. Watch the first 20, ten minutes. Okay. And see if it rings a bell. Yeah, I probably did watch it. What did you it. think of this movie? Uh, you gave it a click scroll bar <laughs> to find Paul's comment. You said the ending looks like a mess from the trailers. You're going to give it a two point five out of five. Yeah, I was really expecting that this film would uh, unravel into a just like a mess, just like just you know almost like a Marvel style mess. We're uh, just sorry, like I'm. What? <laughs> you know how Marvel films get re- well? They start off shit and then they just get mm. really shit the further into them you go. Mm. Marvel mm. films is what I'm talking about. Mm. Okay, <laughs> I, don't, I think you mean something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah but also, also, you're talking no, about Langoliers. No you're talking about Langoliers for the latest yeah. Avengers film. I I want to go in as fresh as possible, so I haven't seen any Avengers film. Me too. <laughs> um, yeah. I I was actually surprised at how focused I felt the filmmakers were in the telling of this story. They didn't get too distracted. Admittedly, it moved a little too fast, but I felt as though they were attentive to all of the beats and they were trying to get through them. Um, uh, you know, the updating was a little disconcerting, but it wasn't updated to... Uh, a point that I felt as though they were sort of ripping away the core of the film. But Uh, didn't you want to see what the people were posting on social media about their dead pets pets and humans being reanimated? Didn't you want that sort of a social construct up there? No, but see, that I think that's where they save themselves, is is to try and bring too much of modernity into it. Okay. Um, Maybe. There's this website called PetCemetery.com and if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you write a blog post that gets enough likes, your pet comes back from the dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so I said a 2.5 and, and, and that was contingent on this um, hell opening up and zombies <laughs> coming out. That yeah. didn't happen. So I feel as though I have to give this a higher score than that, but it's not a three. It doesn't quite make a three. So I'm going to give this a 2.7. 2.7? Yeah. Holy shit. This is one of the moments that I wish we had actually bothered ever to keep a running tab of what we score anything. Yeah. (laughs) To be able to go, you gave this a 2.7, but you gave checks, notes, Schindler's list a one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've gone the opposite way. I just... Interestingly enough, I know from my own personal history that Zero Dark Thirty is a 2.5. Okay, okay. Which also had Jason Clarke in it. Yeah, every Jason Clark movie. You're, what did, did you see? Terminator Genesis. I did not. I but I give it a two point five. <laughs> wow, <laughs> great. Um, yeah, I think I've said everything that that I kind of need to say about this film. Did you give um, it a number? Originally, I did. I said a three. I'm coming in. I'm coming in at a one point two five, and I had to stretch. I had to stretch to find that point two five. Yeah, and I found it in <laughs> Lithgow. 
and the and cat I at the found end. it in the cat in the final shot, <laughs> jumping up on the car bonnet, and yeah. that together put that two five. Because otherwise, this this was a one to me, and it's not. I'm not. I don't know what sounds like. I'm annoyed. I'm not actually angry at this movie because no, this I'm not movie. Angry. Is doing exactly what it is setting yeah. out to do, and that was my only uh, and major problem with it. Is that uh, being familiar with this stuff, you want something more, and it, it didn't even bother to do so. Like to to me, it's like, well, other than making it look better with modern cameras and technology, why remake this film? Yeah, and the fact that I thought visually it was super boring, uninteresting. And not really trying to me was like, well, that, that just proves the point that you're like, w- why is this existing? Other than to make currently $21 million against a box office, uh, sorry, $82 million against a budget of $21 million. So, hmm. you know, uh, what the fuck do I know? He's done it again. <laughs> yeah. Bloomhouse, that is. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Wait, was it? Was it Bloomhouse? Yeah, I think no, it I was, think- wasn't it? Ah, fuck it. Why not? I don't oh think no, it was. no, no, no! It was it was uh, Bonaventura or whatever yes. his name was. It's yes, the Italian yes. guy. <laughs> yeah, just that one one Italian guy. D Bonaventura. Um, okay, well, I guess that makes me Nerdstradamus for the week. And, it does, and rightfully so. Mm. Um, if you could just fill with some um, stuff while I remember how the ending of the episode goes. Yeah, great. I have some really topical and tasteful stuff about Native American uh, Indian burial grounds <laughs> to go through if you want me to just ad lib for a bit. Actually, aren't we meant to mention a film that we did like that we saw recently? That's true. Annually imposed uh, rules. So yeah, I guess for the time being. You coming out at your score, you need to find something. Wait, if this surprised you slightly, you need to find something that underwhelmed you slightly? Oh, okay. Well, um, I-, I would say you recommended that I check out Us. The new, what's his name? Yeah, okay. Can we can we just catch this a bit? Because this wasn't me reaching out to you being like, dude, yeah. dude you, you gotta, have you, got you to check out this horror film. This was you texting me at like 7.45 at night being like, we have tickets for us at 8 p.m. <laughs> will, will I like it? <laughs> For date night. Yeah. for da- And then you said, this is our one day date night in three months. You yeah. better be right. <laughs> We've already bought tickets, but this is on you. Yes. Um, so, well, I don't know if this quite fits the category because I was kind of pleasantly surprised. Like there are moments in there. I've forgotten the name of the director. What's his Jordan name? Jordan Peele. There were moments in there I was like, man, that Jordan Peele can frame a fucking shot. Mm. He is he like I reckon like years of doing sketches, he has really gotten good at just sort of getting the camera in the right place and getting something interesting. Yep. But fucking hell, just flabby, flabby scripts, and I see it I see it just as, as much in this as I do in um Get Out. Get Out. Yeah. And I think it's his problem. I think he has a problem with uh keeping a story moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just cutting out the guff and getting to the point, you know, um, well, the, 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 I've seen it as well. Yeah. Um, and overall I enjoy it. I think it's, it's the sort of film that if you, when you break it down into parts, yeah, you can be like, well, I enjoyed the first third. That's a straight up that. thriller. I can see I, that. I enjoyed the second bit. That's like a horror comedy. That's like if the first third's Evil Dead, the second part is Evil Dead 2. Yeah. And the third part is Army of Darkness where things are absolutely bonkers and nothing makes fucking sense to the canon that came before it. Um, but you're along for the ride anyway. And it's kind of that, that, that to me that's the divergent point where suddenly the themes 
uh, on a completely separate track than the story. <laughs> and both are very um, upfront and on the nose, but there's no connection between the two. If that makes sense, that that's that's where this film started to disintegrate yes. for me. I, I I was surprised that I enjoyed it and was in it as much as I was, but I still think he is not a great filmmaker. Yeah, I think he definitely can be. Um, and I think to show promise that he has in these two movies, the good points are super strong and super mm. good, and his knowledge of horror language, yes. I think serves him so well to take a step back and insert some sort of bigger picture um, metaphor and analysis and, and yeah, diatribe language over this, this stuff. I just don't feel he is in both cases, but less so this one, just letting those things all c- collect and connect to a massive hitting out of the park moment where you just end going like, fuck yeah, everything made sense. That was both... I feel both uh, entertainingly nourished and, you know, um, educationally as well. And, like, it's Get Out um, fell apart a little bit for me at the end, more so to me on an angle where I don't think he he was quite as apt a director to land the more action side to horror, Mm. Um, whereas here I thought, no, visually he's, as you say, I thought he was nailing it. I just thought... um, you know, you, it's a choose-your-own-adventure where this film forces you to a point where you're happy to absolutely forsake conventional narrative to go with metaphor. And um, even though that's a bit of a, a bump for me, I still kind of appreciate the hell out of that kind of swing. Mm. I just think the man needs a co-writer. Yeah, maybe. So what film did not underwhelm you of recent? Wait, so a film that was better than I thought it would be? I guess that's the new rule that we're making now. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to say Triple Frontier on Netflix. I don't think, have I dropped that one already? Maybe I did that last episode. I do not recall that. But if you have, I'll pretend I haven't heard it before. Yeah. So there's a film called Triple Frontier. There's Uh three of them. Three films. No, it's, um, I mean, it stars everyone. By everyone, I mean Ben Affleck and um, some other dudes. So it's, it's one of these ones that's like way above what where you think a Netflix film, especially in this day and age, where as we've spoken about, it's definitely quality over quantity yeah. over quality. Um, this one is like holy shit! I could actually, for most parts of this, especially from a visual perspective, where they're filmed, the shots that they've gotten, um, the work that's being put into it, you're like fuck, this is cinematic. Uh, but it also is like, well, what? Wait, hang on. You could, this little voice in the back of your head being like, this film's so well shot. Why is it on Netflix? Hmm. Um, and that kind of gnaws away at you a little bit. But I have to say, that kind of gets placated by some really good performances. Uh, and again, a film that kind of like us is three films meshed in one. It is. It starts off as a, a kind of heist movie, mm-hmm. turns briefly left turns briefly into a um, a Mexican mob movie, gangster film. Yep. And then ends up a survivalist tale. And, yeah, I mean, say what you want about it, maybe not feeling like a cohesive whole, but, again, element by element, scene by scene, third by third, completely invested and in. And, um, yeah, I had a really good time. And if, if hell, if, if... 50% 50% of Netflix movies Netflix movies were for this level, um, I think would have a very promising 
home entertainment future. And just to tie everything together, it's co-written with Mark Bowl, who wrote Zero That's Dark right. Thirty. Starring Jason Clark, who always gets a 2.75 out of you. No matter so what he's in. That's JC Chandor doing the directing. I know. Who, what else has he done? Well, I, I loved what he did with Margin Call, which is hmm. this which is this film that's set like the night before the global financial crash. Oh. Then he that did all, cool. then he did all as lost and a, a most violent year, both of which I thought were pretty average. But I okay. just thought Margin Core was so good. I reckon check this out. Like visually, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, some quality performances and I've just kind of ruined the structure for you, but oh, I super enjoyed not knowing where the fuck this film was going at any given moment. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't paying attention anyway. Yeah, who does, man? Who the fuck does when I swing? That's right, Simon. <laughs> so thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to see any of the material we discussed today, you can see it all on our website, screenpsychics.com. I really like this announcer voice. I should use it more often. Keep going. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts like this, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, cloud or other podcast subscribery websites simon do you have anything you'd like to add <sighs> happy until <Easter>. next time <laughs> we'll see you when will we see you simon uh, assuming we see you check out the t- today Twitter page. i guess it's going to be the future <laughs> <laughs> this is going so well <laughs> just land it land it with um a new catchphrase that we're going to use for now until forever uh, butter bing <laughs>